Hello and welcome to today's Leadership in Action interview and I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Laidlaw, Chief Executive of Centrica PLC, which owns British Gas and is also a significant producer of nuclear and renewable energy. Sam has had a truly stellar career starting with American oil giant Amarada Hess where he held various positions including head of their North Sea oil business, culminating in becoming Chief Operating Officer in 1995. From there he had a brief spell as Chief Executive of Enterprise Oil leading up to its sale to Shell in 2002. He then went on to become Executive Vice President of Chevron Corporation from 2003 through to 2006 when he took up his current position. In addition to his Centrica role, Sam is a non-executive director of HSBC Holdings and at the Department of Transport. He is also a member of the Prime Minister's Business Advisory Group and Chairman of the CBI Higher Education Task Force. And I could go on. I saw Sam talk recently on the subject of socially responsible leadership and just had to ask him onto the Leadership in Action series. Sam, I'm delighted you could join us today. We've had a number of full starts. How are you today? Well, I'm fine, Brett, and it's very good to talk to you, I must say. Great, thank you very much. Um, Sam, I'd like to start, if I may, with the subject of socially responsible leadership, as it seems so relevant at the moment. So, first of all, how would you define socially responsible leadership? Well, I would define uh, socially responsible leadership as really leadership that looks at the value a business is creating not only to its you know, obvious stakeholders and its shareholders and its employees, but actually the, the broader society in which uh, companies operate. Now, that's particularly critical for all large organizations because they clearly have a, a larger footprint on the community and on the environment, but it's particularly critical for energy companies who have a responsibility for vulnerable customers as well as, a, as, well as obviously, a, a heightened responsibility for the environment. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, but how does um, the role of a leader change when considering a social perspective? I think, you know, socially responsible leadership involves um, thinking about and, and really emphasizing in the management agenda, uh, not just the quarterly earnings, but also actually how you build the sustainable performance of the business. So it means that you actually, through the processes of management, have to have a lot of emphasis and prioritize other pieces of the agenda. That might be health and safety metrics, which are extremely important for a high-hazard operation such as an energy company. It might be environmental metrics. It might be how you look after vulnerable customers and ensure that actually the entire organization are focused on the broader agenda, and you do that obviously through the questions you ask, but also through the incentives that you give and how you reward people's progress through the organization and how you develop the people to ensure that actually they are focused on the broader agenda rather than just narrow profitability. Mm -hmm. that, that all makes sense. Um, can, can you give us some examples of how you've implemented socially responsible leadership at Centrica? Well, I mean, in, in at Centrica, we have a very active um, corporate responsibility committee, which you know starts at the board level, uh, which looks at you know how much progress we are making in um, the whole agenda of, of corporate responsibility and and socially responsible leadership. And I think that's uh, very transparent, which is important. We have a very clear um, 
agenda that goes right through the organization, but importantly, it's done through the line. So what we what we have resisted is uh, a sort of parallel organization that looks after corporate responsibility. We think it's the responsibility for all our line managers and indeed all our employees, whether you are a call center agent, whether you are a British gas engineer, and in our academies, to give you an example of this, all our British gas engineers now do the Duke of Edinburgh Gold Standard Award to ensure that they're not only providing good customer service, but actually they are good representatives of the company in the local communities in which they operate. So it, it starts all the way through the organization, uh, and obviously you know, leadership has to walk the talk here and, and ensure that what we do and the questions we ask and the, where we spend our time is actually ensuring that our customers, the NGOs with whom we work, the broader stakeholders of civil society uh, are all included in uh, the management agenda. Okay, that's some great stuff there. Um, have you done your Duke of Edinburgh? <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I never did my Duke of Edinburgh. So I, I, and once, you get, once you're over the age of 21, I'm told you're not allowed to do it, or at least you can do it, but you don't get the qualification. Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, so to, to take it on a, a, to a slightly further stage, um, you, you've outlined the role um, within your business, um, but what in your view is the role and responsibility, if any, of business leaders in relation to actual social change? Well, I think, um, obviously, at the moment, the whole role of um, large corporations in society is something that's you know, being questioned very actively in what the social contribution of large corporations, particularly in the financial services sector, is. And I think, you know, it is absolutely right that we have that debate. I think mm. it is also absolutely crucial that successful companies actually demonstrate their worth, uh, as I say, not just to their shareholders, but to the communities in which they operate. And I think that, you know, if, you, if we think about, as an example, what British Gas does for vulnerable customers, what we do in, in terms of insulating people's homes for free, but also the broader agenda of what we're doing to ensure security of supply of energy for our customers, bringing gas to the UK as North Sea gas reserves deplete, and also how we think about replacing aged power stations with lower carbon, greener alternatives and getting that balance right. Now that's, I think, a, a good example of the huge contribution that actually uh, socially responsible companies can make. And you know, in our business, there is a effectively a three-cornered trilemma, as we call it, right. of having to solve for, on the one hand, energy security, because clearly everybody wants to keep the lights on and make sure they still have gas in their cookers when they turn it on. Um, on the other hand, the whole question of how we do that in a low-carbon way and meet the green agenda to reduce our CO2 emissions, but thirdly, and it's particularly important in the current environment, how we do that in an affordable way. And that's not an easy triangle to solve. Um, and, and clearly, you know, different stakeholders will have different views as to 
whether affordability is the most important thing or, or whether the green agenda or security supply is the most important thing. And, and, and having that debate is something and ensuring that we have a consistent approach to this over time so that we don't end up you know, wasting investments, I think, is, is very important. And that's where we as leaders of business, I think, can contribute. And, and obviously, we engage with politicians, with NGOs, with governments around the world to try and get that balance right. Okay, I see. It sounds like you've, you've got uh, quite a balancing act to do. Well, it's not, an e it's not an easy balancing act, and it's, I think, a much, it's clearly, you know, for, for many businesses in the current environment, uh, you know, the, the, the balancing act has become more difficult, but obviously the affordability agenda has, has moved up the priority for many governments in the current economic climate. Okay, super. Well, um, I'd like to move on from the socially responsible aspect of business yeah. to some more general things. One of the expressions that I heard you use, which I really liked, was fixing the basics. What do you do to actually fix the basics when you join an organization? Well, I think if you, if you come in new to an organization, um, you know, the first thing you have to do is be very clear and work out what the, what the strategy is going forward and you know, what's important and what isn't. And you clearly need to surround yourself with a good team. Um, and that team may already be there or it may not be there. And, and that's the judgment you have to make. And, and that's always a, a difficult period because you're actually trying to work out the strategy and you're also trying to work out you know, who is going to be on the team to drive the strategy. But essentially, then you sort of, in terms of fixing the basics, it's about, it is about people, it's about processes, and it's about technology most times. And some, some businesses, it's also about, you know, propositions and the marketplace, uh, less so in, in an energy company where you know, we're all selling the same product essentially and it's a commoditized product but but um, you know getting the people right is absolutely where you start and the team right not just the management team but actually ensuring that we've got the processes in place to develop the people on a sustainable basis and to reward uh, good performance but also to weed out poor performance and, and then you know having very clear processes to ensure that the vision, and, and you have to be very clear about the vision and the strategy you've set, it can actually be executed flawlessly. Um, that takes time in a large organization. These may be processes to deal with capital allocation or cost reduction, or they may be processes to deal with uh, how you handle your customers or billing or debt or back office or whatever. Um, and then I think, you know, utilizing technology so that you not only have cost efficiency, but actually you also have innovation as well, which gives you some form of competitive edge. I think they, they, those are the sort of basic ingredients that you work on. As I say, if you're, if you're probably in a, uh, path growing consumer product business or if you're you know, in a technology business, you'd also clearly be looking at the product pipeline. In, a, in an energy and uh, an exploration and production company, your product pipeline really is your, your discoveries of oil and gas and new technologies that you might use either in the marketplace such as smart meters or new technologies that you might use 
um, in the generation of power um, to improve efficiencies, and you and you need to be continually working on those to ensure that you're competitive. And you and I think a mistake that many large organisations make is they don't look at other industries and and their competitors nearly enough to understand how the market's evolving and also to take ideas off them if, if they're good and adapt them quickly. Yeah, yeah. so, so there's quite a few variables there to, to be got in place. Um, could, could we dig a little bit deeper into the people aspect? Yeah. So how do you go about making sure you've got the right people and the right team in place? Well, I, you know, I think that it's much talked about that you know, few companies do it really well and all companies can improve on it, I think. And, and if, if you start with the whole question of, of being very clear, not only about strategy, but also about the vision, and the values and vision to, to get there. And by the values, it's what I mean is you know, how you're going to do things. And that actually informs the type of people you, you need. So you need to be clear that it is not just about getting results, important though that is, you have to get the results the right way rather than the wrong way. So you don't want people clearly taking shortcuts, obviously health and safety is essential, business integrity is essential, uh, and stewardship and protection of the environment is essential. And that comes back again to socially responsible leadership in that you have to get that message across as well as the actual strategic direction and the short-term goals that you're trying to achieve. Then I think it's a, it's a, it's around, um, surrounding yourself, I think, with, with very able people who not only have the technical competence, uh, but also have that shared vision and ensuring that you do have that shared vision and values because if they don't have the values it won't work. You can do that at the top level but then if you want to actually develop the sustainable health of the organization obviously you have to put the processes in place to ensure that people are rewarded, incentivized and, and all are basically sharing that vision even at sort of lower levels of the organization and the way we do that as, as you know many other companies do some better than others um, it, it is by you know consistent uh, regular performance reviews and appraisals but also as people move through the organization very clear development plans uh, for individuals so that they know what part of their own makeup and chemistry they need to work on and all the technical skills and experiences that they need to develop if they're going to become future leaders in the organization. I think you also have to recognize you know, that there is a critical role in many organizations of, of technical specialists who may not be managerial leaders but are actually vital to the organization as well. And you need to ensure that you have a career path for those people as well. Excellent. Um, I wonder if we could sort of look back a bit now and uh, ask you, what do you feel have been the main leadership challenges that you've faced during your career? Oh, well, I think that you know, <laughs> I think they, they they pop up often. Um, 
I think, you know, the most difficult leadership challenges for most for most leaders, I think, are clearly those that require big organizational change or, you know, or sort of situations of personal tragedy. I mean, I think if you have, uh, as I've had, if you have industrial accidents like, you know, uh, helicopter crashes, which unfortunately we have had, um, you know, those, those, I think, demand a different dimension of leadership than other types of economic crises, if you like, which I've also been through where, you know, you, you, in my early stages at Amarada Hess, you know, when the oil price suddenly went from $30 to $15 and we were developing North, uh, a big field in the North Sea and it wasn't obvious how we would be able to pay for it, uh, you know, that, that's an economic, um, challenge that I think you just have to be authentic about, you have to be very clear about, uh, and consistent and remain focused on the long term and gather all the smart people around you can. And, you know, and you will get through it. I mean, I've also had situations of hostile takeovers where actually on the one hand you were trying to fend off, um, a company that wants to buy the business and yet you and you're having those discussions, if you like, in the evening while you're trying to manage the business as consistently and determinedly as you can, you know, during the during the daytime. And I think you know, those those are the sort of uh, examples of when being authentic. I think showing true leadership is always about showing it in difficult times. It's when the tide goes out, I think, that true leaders show their worth. Um, you know, when you have a, a rising tide and a strong economy, it's easy for everybody to to look like a good leader because they're in the right place at the right time and everybody is genuinely, I think, much more optimistic and buoyant and it's easier to get people engaged. I think the really good leaders are the ones who can in times of difficulty. Yeah, okay. So you've, you've mentioned the importance of authenticity there. Um, what, what other key lessons do you think there are to be learned from those experiences? I mean, I think that I think you have to uh, listen to those around you. Um, I think you have to keep your sense of perspective. Uh, I think you have to stay you know, focused on the long term um, rather than getting sort of consumed by the, the daily crisis that might be there. Uh, I think there's also a piece of, about you know, being able to move between the long-term vision of where you want to go and actually being equally able to get down into the engine room to talk to the people and support the people who are actually fixing the problem and helping them without getting in the way, but I think ensuring that you know they're there and you know what's happening on the ground. And I think that's, it, it is, you know, what some people I think sort of call the sort of helicopter style, but, but you've got to be able to, I think, go down and actually ensure that you know what's going on so you're not disconnected and you're vision actually is well-grounded and is realistic, uh, but equally is, is constant.
Yeah, and, and also that people feel that uh, they're, they're feel, acknowledged. You feel, feel you're taking an interest yeah. and you're engaged yeah. and you're continually, you know, asking in a positive way sort of questions as to, you know, why they're doing what they're doing or how, how we could do it better and, and listening to how, you know, they think it could be improved and, and usually, you know, they're much closer to the problem and understand it better than you do and, and li- listening and being self-aware I think is very important. Absolutely. Well, I'm aware we're getting towards the end of our time together, Sam. So one last question, if I may. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to a young aspiring leader, what would that be? Well, I think um, I, I think it is around uh, being sort of consistent and, auth- and authentic because actually uh, people see through uh, leaders who aren't authentic very quickly. I think you've also got to really enjoy what you're doing too, because I think that comes across. And I don't think you can expect to enjoy it every day, um, because I think in leadership positions, you know, businesses can be very tough when you have to make some tough decisions. But I think you do have to make sure that, that genuinely, you know, you feel that you are making a real contribution. And it comes back to the, the sort of socially responsible leadership. I think if you can come back at the end of every day and say, well, even if you know you made some tough decisions, at the end of the day, you have moved the ball on to try and make the society in which you operate, the community in which you operate, or the organization with which, with which you operate a better place, then I think you, most people will get a huge sense of pride and satisfaction out of that, and, and people who are working for you will we'll see that. Okay, well that's brilliant. Well, thank you Sam, that's closed the circle uh, brilliantly uh, and some really fascinating thoughts and insight. I'm sure everyone listening will get so much out of it and find some really useful ideas that they can apply to their own situations. Many thanks for taking time out of your hectic schedule. And, Not uh, at all, Brett, it was very good to talk to you. Super, well thank you very much and very do, ha- luck. do have an excellent week. Okay, okay.